Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Sunday School Hour here at Faith Baptist Church. We're so glad to have everybody here this morning. Uh, glad to have everybody watching over on Facebook Live. I know we have a couple watching on Facebook because they couldn't be here this morning. Uh, do be in prayer for uh, Miss Christy, who's having a tire issue. It could be worse. It could be worse than a tire. So we're grateful that she's not sick or wasn't seriously in car. But let's pray that she can get that taken care of. Without it being too much of a headache, I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to go get a routine oil change this week, and the car is now in the shop. And uh, said something about the oil pan, they said something about the plug, and they said the plug might be stripped, which I'm not sure how to do, but even Bob was a little confused about that one. But uh pray that uh, all that can get taken care of relatively quickly. Do me a prayer for Josh and Ryan, as they are out of town in New York. They're visiting some friends and uh, pray that they have a good time and they come back to us safely. Let's uh, go ahead and get started this morning. Let's take our Bibles and uh, turn to <clears throat> sec or, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6. We are first reference this morning. Now, we have talked about most of the areas of doctrine. Talked about the doctrine of God the Father. Talked about the doctrine of God the Son. Talked about the doctrine of God the Holy Spirit. Right? We've talked about the doctrine of the Bible. Talked about the doctrine of the doctrine of sin. The doctrine of salvation. We talked about last week. This week, <clears throat> we're going to begin an exciting new uh, part of our doctrinal series, what we call Why We Believe What We Believe. Because when I tell you what we believe, I'm not just going to tell you what we believe. I'm going to also tell you why we believe it, where we find that in Scripture, and why we adhere to it. And so this week, we're starting uh, angelology, uh, the doctrine of angels. And it is... An important subject. It is cover. It covers a lot of different areas. Philology does. Uh, it'll cover. We're going to start off with just the broad spectrum of angels, what they are, what they do, uh, what the Bible has to say about it all. And we're going to cover all of that. It also covers Satan. Angelology does, and demons. We're going to talk about why that is later on. We're not going to get to that this week. Look forward to those lessons. Uh, but this week we're talking about angels. Angels is, is one of those things that people just find themselves so fascinated. People love to talk about angels. You see people with angels decorated all over their house. You know, there's even some uh, um, false religions surrounding angels and so forth. And so people were just fascinated with angels. And I think, uh, at least as far as the Bible goes and Christians go, Angels are one of those things that is the most um, interactive, maybe is a good word for it, between us and God in a really spiritual way. In a really when we talk about angels and how they interact with our world, that is one of the most interactive things we still have today. And so I think that's why a lot of people are still extremely fascinated. So we're going to get into it today, and we're going to start off by defining what an angel is. 
right? And the word angel is uh, a term in the New Testament. It's uh, the word angelos, and it just means messenger. That's all it means. It just means messenger uh, is what the word angel in the Bible, and I think it's written that way because that's one of the primary purposes that angels have. They are God's messengers. God will send them to earth with a specific message, like uh, when Gabriel went and spoke to Mary, gave her God's message. Or when the angels came and spoke to Abraham in Genesis, he invited them into his tent, Sarah laughed, uh, his name has to be Isaac, messengers sent uh, to Abraham. And we see the same purpose all throughout the Bible. So, the word angelos, which we get angel from, just means messenger. Uh, it also is sometimes the word used for preacher in the Bible, just because it is the word for messenger. Somebody who sends and goes forward with God's message. Uh, but further than that, angels, as far as their existence goes, angels are creatures. That's important to understand because uh, we talked about creation. Right? We went through the six days of creation. Can anybody tell me on what day angels were created? Is that in Genesis 1? Huh? Right. It's not in Genesis 1 when angels were created. Uh, but also, do we remember um, when God created the planet itself? Not necessarily the land or on it, but on what day did God create planet Earth? That's not in Genesis 1. Before we start on day 1, we have a ball of water spinning up. That is before we get started on Genesis 1. So there has been some creation place before day 1. We know that to be true. Now, I don't think, like some people do, that it was billions and billions of things happened uh, before you get to day one. I don't think it's possible. You know, uh, day one of creation, light was created. You have to have billions of years of dinosaurs and so forth, like they think it does, before there's light. You know, uh, there's no land either, no plants. You know, so I don't know where they think these Tyrannosaurus Rexes were living. I think I guess they thought they could walk on water like Jesus, but I kind of doubt it. You know? uh, but there's a lot of things. So we know that there's a lot of things created before the first day of creation, but not in a billions of years. Okay, so before day one, a lot of things are created. We know angels are created beings, so we're going to take a look at a few verses that... Uh, tell us about that. First uh, Timothy, the one I told you to go to, is going to be uh, our first verse to look at as far as that goes. First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, it says in verse 13, it started with. I want it my notes. Okay. So in verse 13, says uh, in First Timothy chapter 6, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, 
unbreakable till the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and potentate, the King of kings, Lord of lords. And verse 16 is where we're looking at. It says, who only hath immortality. Right, so here Paul writing to Timothy, and he's talking about God, and he says, who only hath immortality. Right? Immortality, for those of you who don't know, just means living forever. Now, we, as saved Christians, will live forever in heaven. But we're not immortal. Right? That doesn't mean that, oh, we'll die and pass through the shadow of death and enter heaven. What immortality means in this context is talking about eternity past. You didn't always exist. Right? You had the birthday, a date on which your existence began. Right? As a matter of fact, it began a little before the day and the moment you were. That is when your existence began. Right there at the moment of conception, as the miracle of uh, life began to sprout in your existence. God has no such moment. God doesn't have a birthday. God, uh, God doesn't have a moment of conception. God existed forever past. There is an endless amount of time past, as we call it, where God always existed. So, and we know that he is the only being ever have that true about it. The only being to have ever existed in eternity past means angels. They didn't always exist. They were created at some point. Angels are not born. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But they were created. However many angels God created at the very beginning there, however many there will always ever be. Uh, let's look at, uh, well, you know what? You can turn there, but I'm just going to quote John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then it says, All things were made by Him. Talking about all things were made by him, including angels. Angels is part of all things. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says again, By him were all things. All things, including angels. Psalm 148 says, For he commanded, they were created. So we know several times the Bible teaches that angels are created beings. They are not gods of themselves. They are just created beings. So then we get to when were they created. And we've talked about this a little bit. It's not in Genesis 1 at all. So angels were created before uh, the rest of creation took place. And I believe we're going to find exactly um Let's take a look at Psalm. I'm sorry. Let, uh, let's take a look at Job 38. 
This is going to seem awfully familiar to you guys who are watching the Wednesday Bible study. We just taught about uh, Job 38 this past week. And so if you, if you are familiar with our lesson, you probably know exactly what chapter or what verse in Job 38 I'm going to. Uh, let's get started in verse 4. God says, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Laid the foundations. That's talking about uh, before he gets started creating one. I remember it says that the earth was without form. That's because it wasn't all of water spinning. It was just this obtuse uh, rock covered in water, uh, just out in space, out in nothingness. In the very beginning. And then it says the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, but it never says at what point the earth was without form. There, they form. It never says when the earth took its shape. And I believe that as the Spirit of God moved on the waters, what was happening was the Holy Spirit was spear. So Job is seeing all of this. God is uh, showing him everything. Verse 5 says, he says, Who laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, the measure of the earth, who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Verse 7 is extremely significant to our study about it. Verse 7 says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Right, so morning stars, sons of God, they both represent the same. Right, so we're talking about a being that existed and was witnessing God creating. A being that was there watching God create everything and was singing while creation was taking place. We're talking about angels. So it's my belief that one of the first things that God created were the angel. Because the Bible tells us in Job 38 that they were singing. The morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. They were the most horrific choir of vocalists the universe has ever known. And gave God some accompaniment, some music, as he was creating the universe. Seeing maybe videos on Facebook or TikTok or something, and they've got the music in the background, right? And if it's an appropriate song, you know, something that goes with the video, it makes it a good video. But if it's a song that doesn't fit, you just skip right through it. Have you ever noticed that a really powerful movie is one that has really good like if you enjoy a really good movie odds are it had some really good music to go with it and a a, a movie that just has some cheesy generic music in it going to be considered kind of a cheesy don't much care for that is because music is one of the single most powerful forces in this 
Music will determine what mood. If you listen to a certain kind of music, it will affect your mood in a certain way. Uh, think about in the book of Exodus. As they're having their... Ma <clears throat> you have to pardon me because this is in the Bible, but it's not exactly a family-friendly moment. Uh, but as Moses comes down, they're all naked and, and they're basically having an, an orgy down. And they're sacrificing to this false god and they're doing basically everything that, that God told them not to do. But as they're coming down the mountain before they can even see all of these atrocities taking place, uh, I think it's uh, Joshua who says that he hears a noise of war. And I believe it's Moses, and I could have those two flipped around. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the point is, the other one says, it's not a noise of war you hear, that's music. And they come down there and they see them committing all these sins. Now, what kind of music do we know today that sounds like a noise of war? Anybody ever heard of heavy metal? Does that not sound like a noise of war? Anybody who's been in war can tell you it. Right? Music will affect you. And people who listen to heavy metal look a certain way. Don't they? Affects them. You ever notice that a person will sort of dress based on the kind of music they listen If somebody's into all kinds of different musics, then they'll have their own independent style, won't they? But if a guy only ever listens to country music, how's he going to dress? He's going to have the boots, yeah. right? Going to have the jeans. If he shows up to church, it's going to be his nice boots. Right? It's going to be his church boot. You guys who don't live in Texas, you're going to get an education. Right? Because there's many different kinds of boots. And you've got your work boots. You're going out there and you're working, you're going to put on your work boots. Those are going to be a little bit more worn. They've got to be a little bit tougher. They've got to be able to handle it. But they also got to do what they got to do out in the field. Work boots. Now, you're going to wear dress boots, those are a little nicer, maybe not quite as tough, but they look nice. You take good care of them, you shine them up, you, you know, they look nice for a long time. He's going to have uh, the shirt, right? It's going to have those pearl buttons on it, you know? It's going to have the plaid on it. may even be a pocket here with a pearl button on it as well. And you know that hat's going to be. Maybe it's a cowboy hat. Maybe it's something a little, he's feeling like dressing down a little bit. Maybe it'll be a ball cap, you know. But that's the guy that listens to country music. And you know what kind of music he listens to as soon as he comes up. Now, you see somebody, uh, if you know they only ever listen to gospel music, right? Maybe it's southern gospel, maybe it's bluegrass gospel, maybe it's just you know how they're going to dress as well, right? Maybe a very specific lack of style in their wardrobe. Very plain clothing. Look like they're walking around in a burlap sack. Laugh, because you... Why do we... Why is that? Why does... That define us so much because music is a 
powerful force in this world. Anybody remember the story of David and Saul? The Bible says an evil spirit came upon Saul. Remember? And what did David do to remove the evil spirit? Played his harp. Music was able to cast an evil spirit out of King Saul. They didn't do anything else. They didn't pray it out. They didn't plead for God to remove it. The only thing David did was play a harp and it left. Music is that powerful. As God is creating, I think it's incredibly important for us to understand that as he's creating, what is accompanying him, I can tell you for a fact, it is music like you've never I can tell you for a fact, were you to hear this music, it doesn't matter what kind of music you're into. Maybe you're the kind of person who goes to sit in front of a choir and goes, oh, Gosh, what, how did she get me here? I, there better be a steak or a really good burger in it for me after this. I'm, I'm not for this kind of music. And maybe that's the kind of person you are, and that's fine. No. But I'm telling you right now, no matter what kind of music you're in, if you were to hear the music coming from the angels during these moments of creation, you'd be awed. The angels in this day even to this day, that are for the purpose of singing praise to God, they are capable of music we don't even know about. They're capable of music we don't have on planet Earth. They're capable of hitting notes and chords that we don't have. They're capable of things far beyond our own human. Their music is beyond us. Their worship is far above. And this was a beautiful moment. The angels singing to God's creation praise. They created one of the very first things ever created for angels. Let's look at their nature, attributes. Um, Look at Daniel chapter 7 real quick. Daniel chapter 7 is going to show us that they're great in number. That however many there are, that's how many there have always been, but they are great in number. There's many, many angels. We'll have an idea of just how many here. Daniel chapter 7. In verse 9, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Anybody have a guess who we might be talking about? Well, let's read it again. Whose garment was white as snow. His hair of his head like the pure wool. Who have we heard described like 
book of Revelation. It talks about Jesus and how he is seen by John there in that vision. Very similar to what we see here with Daniel. As we keep reading, it says in verse 10, a, uh, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand, uh, sorry, thousand thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. Now, I read that and think, well, that could be, or it could just be, right? Let's take a look at Revelation 5. And this will really give us more context as to what we're talking about here in Daniel 7. Revelation chapter 5. says in verse 11, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. That's funny. We just read that, didn't we? Thousand times ten thousand, thousands, thousands. We just read that. And we know here it's talking about angels. So it's most likely that the ones the one wearing the garment white as snow and the hair head or white like wool ministered to thousands of thousands, thousand times thousands. Most likely we're talking about angels. Now, what is a thousand thousand? What, is, what number is that? Not pay the math budget this month. I was gonna get. It. That's a thousand plus a thousand. What is a thousand a thousand? Okay, let me ask you this: Had row of a hundred, a hundred. How many? Had a row of a hundred, a hundred times. What number? 1,000. Thank you. Now, we have people in here that, that run very important budgets. <laughs> this is math my son is learning. Second grade, going into the third grade. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned. <laughs> okay, so if a hundred hundreds is a thousand, what would a thousand thousands be? One million. Now, see... Daniel and John, they didn't have the number one million. That didn't exist yet. They had no need for a number that high. God did. The only way he could describe the number of angels was to say a thousand to thousands. Because he didn't have millions. But the concept of millions existed even before the actual Now, what's 10,000 times 10? You guys have phones. Come on. You guys have phones. Somebody get a calculator out. Close the court. 
It's 100,000. So glad I do the budget for it. <laughs> so, millions of angels we know at least exist. Millions. They're great in number. I remember the story in uh, Matthew 26 when Jesus reminds them that uh, if he so desired, he could call a legion of angels of them saved. He had no desire or need to be saved. As I think that's the moment where uh, knock off Malchus's head, and he's uh, such a good marksman, he misses and hits his ear. And uh, I think that's the moment where Jesus explained to Peter, if I wanted to, I could have a legion. We're here for other reasons. So there's a great number of angels as well. And also we know that they're great in power. Angels are not just peace-loving messengers with the long flowing robes and you know they're warriors they're they're great and powerful warriors um we're going to look at a few verses here let's take a look at second peter 2 2 Peter chapter 2, and in verse 11, it says, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Uh, there's a whole context of what's being talked about here, but the part I want to focus on this morning is the part where it says, Angels, which are greater in power and greater in power and might than us is the context. And so we know that they have a supernatural strength about them. Uh, Psalm 103 and verse 20. Let's take a look at. Is that my cue? Is that too many verses? No. I'm teasing. <clears throat> I used to have a Bible college professor that would say that. And uh, we had a... A jingle. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we had a guy in our class. His name was... And uh, we'd be going through verses, but we'd be going through them a lot quicker than we are this morning. And we'd just be spinning in that Bible a whole class, and the class is like an hour. Spinning through verses. And I've got them listed out here. Uh, I've, I've, <coughs> I'm not going to have you turn to some of them just for sake of time this morning. Uh, and also, like, he would come to some, and then another one would pop in his head, and he'd go, oh, let's go over here, too. And then, and so, uh, Marcus would be like, uh, Brother Stewart, you're getting close to your 100 verse limit. Class is cut off. And so he'd start asking. He'd be like, am I getting close to my limit? Close to my 100 verses? So Psalm 103 and verse 20 said, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. But I want to... Uh, Point to you that, that part that says that excel in strength. Uh, again, another portion of scripture where it's teaching us how much mightier angels are than us. 
And it's it's important to get all the verses that have to do with the subject because it may say one thing in Peter. And you say, okay, well, that's good. But then when it also says the same thing somewhere else in the Bible, it almost like reinforcing the thought. You know? It's now we've got different authors from different time periods saying the exact same thing. So we know this is a Bible doctrine. This uh, supernatural strength that angels have. Uh, we won't turn there for sake of time, but Genesis chapter 19 is the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We remember this story. I think I've gone over this a couple of times before. Uh, the story where the angels come into the town of Sodom. We remember this story? And as they're coming into town, they're coming to Lot and to his house. Well, as he's coming into town, he gets surrounded by a gang of that come to Lot and say, hey, those three men that just came into your house are real pretty. We want you to bring them out so we can rape them. Sodom said about So the angels are getting ready to go murder a bunch of, well, not murder, but kill a bunch of people. And, uh, and, and Lot is the go-between, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because those men are fixing to die anyways. But uh, Lot does some terrible things himself, and we see how mighty those angels are that when those men begin to attack, but they can't go kill them, they're able to just make them blind. They're mighty in power. Uh, also in physical power, we remember in 2 Kings 6, the story with Elisha. And the king, trying to kill Elisha, finds out where he is and tries to surround the forest where Elisha is in. And uh, his... A fellow minister comes to him and is terrified. Uh, he's thinking they're about to die. He's terrified. And uh, Elisha puts his hand on this young man and he says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the young man looks to the mountains and hills that are outside of the forest that are surrounded in. And they see that the king's men are surrounded in far greater number and power than they are. By angels that are filling hills and waiting swords on their hills, waiting for God's word to go and save Elisha. They're great and mighty in number and in power. Um, Matthew 28, Jesus is in the tomb. And what they've done to secure the tomb, nobody can steal the body of Jesus and pretend like uh, he's resurrected. They put a massive boulder in front of the front of that uh, so that it's so big and so mighty it takes a legion of soldiers to get it in front of the door and then after they leave no man can and even all of his disciples would have a hard time moving with two guards standing there <clears throat> and yet an angel shows up and puts the guards to sleep and easily that's how mighty these are. And I think when you see it, like you remember those little cartoon uh, sort of things that they would show in Sunday schools about 20, 30 years ago? You know, those like VHS tapes they'd pop in and you'd watch. Am I the only one that remembers those? Do you remember those? Yeah. And uh, it would show like Easter Sunday, Resurrection. And in the show, it would show like the angel would like hold his hand up and move the rock, like almost like with the force, you know? And that's how they depicted it. So that's the way it always was in my head. Like the angel just showed up and used his angel magic to make the 
stone, you know? He tapped into the living force, evidently. He's a Star Wars character now. I don't know what... That's not what happened, folks. <laughs> Do you realize that Angel walked over to the boulder and pitched it like he was pitching a stone? Like he picked up a pebble and was going to skip it across the lake and just easily moved that, that massive boulder out of the way. Because they're great in power. They're strong in power. They're, the Bible tells us they're also very wise. Angels are very wise beings. Um, 2 Samuel 14.20, there's a, a, a reference where the king is comparing the wisdom of a man to that of the wisdom of angels. So evidently, angels at one point in time uh, were known for being wise creatures. At some point that changed for us, but the Bible tells us they are wise. But 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 12, tells us that they can learn because the angels desire to look in. We are fascinating to them. Isn't that funny? We spend all this time being fascinated by angels. What are they like? What do they look like? What do they act like? What do they what do they do? What can they do? What can they not do? Uh, I've seen people like write comic books about the day where Michael will actually fight Satan, Lucifer. You know, we're fascinated by angels. It's so funny to me to think that angels are fascinated with us. You know, that's, that's absolutely uh, incredible to me. <clears throat> there are a few uh, general points about angels that we need to cover this morning. Uh, firstly being that angels have no gender. Okay? When you read about angels in the Bible, uh, they usually have a masculine uh, sort of tone to them. I think that is being read in by the authors, by us, because... They're mighty, they're warriors, they're brave, they're wise. And when you read into that, especially when they're using masculine pronouns in the Bible, uh, you read into that that they're all they're just males. All angels have like a male gender. But angels don't have a gender. Uh, see, now that's, that's kind of weird for today's day and age because everybody's got a gender. Matter of fact, in today's day and age, everybody may have four or five genders. You know? I may wake up tomorrow and decide I'm a different gender. You never know. I could be 46 genders. I could be identified as an Apache helicopter. You never know. Like, so think of something having no gender. That seems a bit odd, doesn't it? It almost takes you a few days to wrap your head around that one. But in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 22, Jesus is asked a question. This man asks Jesus a question. He says, if my wife... Or if, if, if a man takes a wife and that man passes away, the law says that his brother is allowed to marry his widow and continue having children in the name of his brother. And if that man dies and his younger brother marries her as well and tries to have children in their name, when they all die and go to heaven, whose wife is she? Now that's a good question, isn't it? You know what Jesus' answer was? He said, you're wrong from the premise. You know not what you ask, he says. Because in heaven, we are like the angels who neither marry nor are given marriage. 
So what he's saying is that the angels, they don't procreate. There's no such thing as a baby. But they, there's not male and female angels. They're all just gender neutral. And that in heaven, Amanda will be more than just my wife. In heaven, she'll be so much more than that. In heaven, I'll be so much more than just her husband. Now, she'll know me. She'll know that in life I was her husband. Uh, on earth that I was her husband. And I'll know that she was my wife and we'll always love each other. The Bible says heaven will hold no disappointments. So we'll know each other. We'll love each other for an eternity. But we won't belong to each other. You see. And that's, and that's the thing. And we learn from that about angels. Angels don't have a gender. They're gender-neutral creatures. They may usually be spoken about in the masculine, uh, but they are uh, gender-neutral. Usually in the masculine, Genesis 18 and 19, Daniel 9, Luke chapter 1, uh, John chapter 20, Hebrews 13, all of these are references to masculine angels, but they are gender there is a reference to uh, a gen uh, female narrative to an angel as well, and that is because they don't have a gender. The the gender being or the the pronoun being used goes along with the context of the passage, and not necessarily the fact of what that is. Uh, it's important also to understand that angels are not lesser gods or superhuman. That's important to understand as well. Um, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, uh, says, He took not on him the, form, the, the nature of angels, talking about Jesus, and dis making that distinction between Jesus being God and angels, right? He did not take on him the form of an angel, indicating Jesus was never as an angel. He never took upon himself the form of an angel, and also indicating the difference between people, right? And there is a distinction there. So it is a whole other class of being altogether. So Jesus became a man. He did not become an angel. So they are different. It's important to understand. Uh, also, listen, listen, listen very closely here. I'm going to get made fun of for this for a long time. <clears throat> Joshua, listening now or in the future, who picks on me about this all the time, angels do not have wings, okay? Angels do not have wings. They are never one time in the whole Bible described as having wings. Never one time. You know why people think they have wings? Because they can fly. We know angels can fly, and, you know, a couple hundred years ago, before we had Superman, before we had Goku, before we had all these fictional characters that could fly without wings... That was a completely foreign concept to us. Things don't fly without wings. So if an angel flies, it must have wings. Right? Well, that's just not how if God decides an angel can fly. It just can fly. That's how that works. It's a supernatural being. It doesn't follow our laws of physics. So angels don't necessarily have to have wings, and they don't have wings. So that, that um, little porcelain figurine you've got in your hutch... You know, your little glass cabinet there in the, the dining room, and it's this woman, and she's got long, flowing hair, and she's got the, the halo over her head, and, and she's wearing a harp, and she's 
that's not an angel. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a half-human, half-chicken. I don't know. But it's not an angel. Okay? Uh, they don't have genders. They don't have wings. Right? I think a lot of people uh, mistake in the Bible, and we're going to talk about here in just a second before we wrap up, uh, the difference between cherubs and cherubim. Right? Because the Bible talks about cherubs. I'm sorry, cherubims. But cherubs are a mythological creature. They're like they're babies that have the wings. They're like Cupid. You know, they, they're gods of love. And uh, very, very different. Cherubim. Bible. Uh, but we will have to get to the rest of this. And they do not die. Luke. Eternity but that is all the time we have for this morning. We'll be back at 11 o'clock for the morning service. Thank you so much for